0: And welcome to the Direct to Video Connoisseur. Uh, I'm Matt, and as always, I'm joined by Jamie. Jamie, how are you this evening?
1: I'm doing great.
0: All right, excellent. Now, in, before we get into the movie and 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 um, any any other kind of things we want to discuss, I do want to make a quick administrative thing. Um, it we, in the past, uh, the, the 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 live show seems to have really good sound levels. They seem to be okay, but for some reason. Um, the, the iTunes um, podcast of it, the recording, um, our sound levels were way off, and I, f- I figured out that I think the problem was I have my microphone set really high for when I teach so my, my students can hear me, um, and, uh, and I think it, the problem was when, when, um, in, in Skype it sounds great, but I think um, when it was recording, your level was way lower than mine. Um, and it, so it sounded off. Um, but I've, I've turned my microphone down, and I think that's fixed the problem. So um, I, I've talked to a couple of people who have listened to the most recent podcast. Um, I listened to it myself, and our levels were pretty close. So I think we may have solved the problem. We are we are in good shape.
1: Well, good. I'm relieved. hmm
0: yeah, Well, that's the thing. I think people don't realize is that the show itself sounds great, um, you know, uh, for the most part. Um, you know, but um, it, it – the, the levels sound pretty even um, when it airs, and there's something, there was something going on there, I guess. And, you know, it, for the most part, it's beyond my, my acumen as a, a podcaster. But, uh, yes, somehow we fixed it. So, you know, and of course, if you're listening right now, you don't really care because it sounds the same to you. So, <laughs> so that's that. Um, but uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you want to jump right into this Assault on Wall Street? What do you think?
1: yeah well
0: let's go I'm, I'm, um, you know I've got
1: nothing else going on for the next hour so we may as well. Let's. well so
0: this is what I do this is why I'm here this is why we're here so for me I, I called this um, in the in the post on Facebook assault on my sensibilities um, because I, I had trouble the first hour it was like almost like an hour of buildup but I think from what, from your end of it you're saying maybe that that buildup was good or you you, you had a different take on this film.
1: Well, I just, I said that I liked it, and that's true. I do think there was a lot of build-up. I mean, we had, it was a very long time before we got to the assault part. Um, Exactly. But, you know, and I understand that he's, you know, trying to build the character, trying to give him reasons, so it's not like just some, you know, bitch, you left the cheese off my sandwich, I'm going to come (laughs) and hold you down, you know, shit. I mean, they wanted to give give us time to be able to empathize with this character but i really feel like that was accomplished pretty early on Mm -hmm. you know i mean from the moment they had the meeting with the doctor and then walked out and the doctor's office was like nope yeah um you know until you pay we can't and then we can't do any further treatment and then he's on the phone with the insurance company and they're like fuck you i i think from that moment on we were pretty much on his side. Like, you were like, oh, man, this sucks, you know. And then you find out that he lost his investment uh, because of the Wolves of Wall Street. And, um, you know, and then it just goes on and on and on and just sort of snowballs and snowballs. And, and then like, neighborhood kids are slashing his tires and, and, you know, the neighborhood dogs are coming and peeing on his foot. And, I mean, mm. it just, his, his life is in the tank. Okay, that last part was not real. It didn't didn't happen, but... It
0: (laughs) It could have. It might as well have, right? It might
1: as well have. The point is, he just kept piling shit on and piling shit on, you know, and... um, So, I do think it was a little unnecessary, but then at the same time, if he had jumped right to the assault part, it would have been a pretty short film, because you can't really carry on that kind of spree killing for a really long time. (laughs) I mean, eventually, they're going to, you know take you out and so it's the kind of thing that needs to happen quick and then at the end and I guess he just sort of felt like we really needed to see where this guy was coming from so it could justify him mowing down about 30 people yeah. Punisher style
0: well, well so that that brings me to a, a, a an idea I had about this film now I for the most part I am against uh, nonlinear storytelling I, I prefer a story to be told from beginning to end. Um, I mean, I, I, if it's done well... Like,
1: Memento must just drive you up a wall. Well,
0: yes, I mean, you know, like, if, if it's done well, I can get... You know, what Memento was, it was a little back and forth for me. I mean, I was kind of not sure how I felt, or but... Or, like,
1: Irreversible. Holy crap!
0: Oh, Irreversible. Now, Irreversible, <laughs> I will tell you about that movie. My friend um, watched that in the theater. Um, he said people got up and walked out of the film uh, wow. during the, you know, the, the rape scene. Um, and I know for me, I actually had to turn down the TV. I was watching my apartment complex at Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I had to turn down the TV for that. So at that point, the uh, – the ref- Yeah, you
1: want embarrassing? Watch Pink Flamingos with the volume turned <laughs> up really loud. Yes. Nothing pleases your neighbors more than when you hear, uh, like, what the hell's his name? Cracker or mm-hmm. what's <laughs> her son's name D- scream, do my balls, mama.
0: Yes. So
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that right there cements you – as a pillar of the community,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's a scary thing because you're like, oh my god, I don't want people coming over here thinking, you know, because it it might, you know, in my with that film, I was like, man, people probably think, you know, I watched some really nasty hardcore stuff here, you know, like I gotta, you know, but um. But, yeah, so, no, I, you know, like... It'll cut down
1: on Girl Scouts coming to your door.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, I mean, with that film, it was like I'd forgotten about the fact that it was being told in reverse because of how visceral that scene was. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I always feel like it's gimmicky, right? The nonlinear storytelling is gimmicky. It's trying to, like, I don't know, bite on Tarantino or, or you know, anything like that. Um, but here I think it would have really worked because... Um, we could have gotten some assault and some backstory mixed in together. Um, for, for me, I felt like that buildup, which was it was le- a legitimate hour. I had a uh, fifty-seven minutes till the first plot point, which was when the um, the assistant DA gets hit by the taxi. It um, took us fifty-seven minutes to get there. Probably about an hour. You know, a few minutes after that, we started getting an idea that he's going to start killing people. So, you know, we've only got a half hour of that. It would have been nice to kind of maybe mix it in. You know. Um, Throw in these sort of things that happen with the with the wife, and with the um, the the. You know the 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 investments and all of that. Maybe put these in periodically throughout the film to kind of give us an idea of why this guy's so unhinged. You know, maybe like you know, there's an assault, and then some backstory, assault backstory, and kind of play it like that. Because, um, you, know, I, part of the th- problem I think I had was that I think Uva Bull, in writing this film and making this film, felt like um. We didn't know what happened in the financial crisis, um, and it's as if he was like, trying to inform us of what happened to the, the regular guy in the financial crisis, but most people that are going to Redbox to watch um, Assault on Wall Street, they know what happened to the regular guy in the financial crisis. They have an idea. They either know someone or they themselves were screwed over and they're trying to kind of watch Assault on Wall Street to kind of get out of it for a little bit, and that punch of, of seeing those murders at the end, is, it's, it's a little bit late for them, You know, they have to relive all of what they had to go through, you know.
1: Well, I do think that your idea uh, about making, it did have some nonlinear moments right here, um, kind of peppered in. But I, but they weren't very far apart. It wasn't like you know something pulled from the end stuck in the beginning. It mm-hmm. was you know just like little groups of you know this pulled from five minutes and now stuck right. here. This pulled from two minutes and now stuck here. But I think that your idea would have been a really good one. I mean, if we started out with him, um, you know, just cutting loose and and shooting people. And then so we we sort of go in thinking, oh, my God, what's wrong with this guy? Mm -hmm. Then, you know, we learn a little bit about him as we go along. And then, you know, maybe some more stuff happens. And then we learn some more about him. And then he does something else. And we learn some more. That would have been a good thing, I think, because it would have been a great opportunity to gain your your empathy for this character you know when first I like it when they make me turn like when they make me feel differently about a character one way you know toward the end than I do at the beginning so that could have been interesting if it was done well and um so that's actually that's a pretty good idea i do agree that there was a lot of build-up and then it was just like oh man what what else can go wrong (laughs) i felt like i was reading the jungle it's like what the hell else can go wrong in this guy's life and on top of that that his suicidal wife is so inconsiderate you know everyone knows that if you're going to slash your wrist you have to go to the bathtub that shit makes a mess but she's just going to ruin the bed. Oh, I <laughs> that, know. That's what we say. That's how we say it in the South. You ruin it. Ruin the bed. Um, <laughs> ruin it. <laughs> gonna, but I'm like, oh, come on. I mean, he's having enough problems. Now you're going to make him buy a new mattress too? And, and, ah.
0: and I know. And, and see, like, that's something that, like, you know, we we kind of could almost see coming, right? You know, the, the wife kind of keeps seeing that she is a burden on him, that she's making all, you know um, – and, and the reality is, of course, is it's not her medical problems that cause their financial ruin. It's the, you know, um, you know, Uva Bowl is making that absolutely clear to us that it's not her medical problems that cause their financial ruin. It's the uh, the screwed up system in the country, whether it's the the uh, insurance system, the medical system, or the the financial system on Wall Street. Um, and and so it was a really great idea to have her kill herself and really give us a sense of why this man would turn, right? Because he has nothing else to live for. Um, but you know, again, it was like, like you said, you know, she did it in her bed, which was bad, but also it was like this long buildup of like more like just piling on, on this guy that like, yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, the only thing that didn't happen was the dog didn't pee on him. um, Whereas, like, you know, if we get this sprinkled throughout, it's it's not us just going, like, you know, like, we can just be like, oh, okay, yes, no, that's a reason. Or, you know, um, I mean, when you think about the Punisher movies, because you talked about this as Uva Boll making the Punisher. I mean, in the Punisher movies, do we do, like, an hour of the Punisher as a police officer um, who's dealing with uh, some crime boss, and then his his family is killed? Um, no, we, we, we have him immediately offing people, you know? Um...
1: Well, at least in the latest one, the Punisher Warzone, mm. it's, it's, you jump right in. Yeah. In the um, the Thomas Jane one, it takes a little bit longer, think. It does. yes. Yeah, right. um, But even then, it's it's palatable. I mean, you know, I don't have an issue with that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is a, a long time. And I'm just like, man, another thing. His wife didn't seem very sick to me. Like, yes. I understand I that she had tumors and she was having treatments. And I, I get all that. And I've known people with brain tumors. And I've known people with other types of cancer. And I've also known them to work right through it unless they absolutely couldn't, you know. I mean, there was a woman that I worked with who, unfortunately, she went through breast cancer, and it was horrible. And I always just – I felt so bad for her, but she was – on the days when she wasn't having treatment or she wasn't sick from treatment, she was working. And I'm not saying that you you need to go out and, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, I don't care if you're dying. Go to work. But the thing is, I think – I would have been able to be a little bit more on her side if he had presented her a little sicker, Mm -hmm. you know, she seemed fine, you know, like it seemed like she was going to go out and go jogging when, you know, whenever he left for work. And I'm like, woman, if you feel like you're being a burden on your husband, completely removing yourself from his life is not the answer. What he needs is for you to go out and get a job. (laughs) and that sounds so callous it really does but I think what I'm saying here is I think it's a fault on the filmmakers part because if we're supposed to feel like wow they're just so you know it's they're so destitute and things are so bad and she's so sick then I want to be able to feel that she's sick you know I want to be able to put my heart there because my heart heart would be there my heart was there for him from the very beginning But every time she popped on the screen, I'm like, you just don't look very sick to me, you know? And and I'm only saying this because, and then I realize that I'm pissing off a bunch of people out there. I know. (laughs) Um, And I understand. But the point is that film is a visual medium. And a lot of the story is told through visuals. And if I'm going to be immersed in that story, I need you to help me with that. I need you as a filmmaker to immerse me in it. So make me feel it make me feel bad for them you know instead of me going you look okay to me why aren't you working you know <laughs>
0: yeah well you know and this is what we talk about too with kind of the limitations of you know the the film industry having so many men as directors and not enough of a female perspective because Uva Boll is doing this strictly from the male perspective that he's he's saying that if he doesn't make the wife pretty enough that the guys watching his film won't think that Dominic Purcell would be devastated enough to go out and do this, which is a really bad message to send. You're you're absolutely right that she should have been think, sicker. I don't. Know, that's, at least that's what my take was on. That's what I thought he was trying to do.
1: Well, I mean, and you know, I mean, now that you say that, it makes total sense. I didn't see it. I didn't see it that way. I just figured he fucked it up. But right. um, <laughs> but that does kind of make sense. But then I'm saying, you know, as a husband yourself. You know, don't you feel like you could be more into the plight yes. uh, or feel his pain even more if you were watching his wife decline right. along with him? You know, I mean, it's for him to have to go out and bust his ass at work six, seven days a week, like he said, and, you know, they're barely making ends meet. They're not making ends meet. I mean, the, e- the ends are fraying and they're not. They're doing everything but meeting. they're like burning toward the middle from both ends. And then on top of that he comes home and his wife is so sick and his wife can't do anything and she feels really bad about it and she and she you know you're watching her decline I think that would just compound it that much more but she seemed really bouncy and pretty and
0: happy. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, you know, I mean hell when she when he came home and she was dead she had a little bit of graying around her lips and that was it. She looked yes. fine other than that. Like she didn't even look like she'd bled out. And I'm like what Come on!
0: Well, you know, and that's a great point, too, because that's... Does she an-
1: have a no-ugly clause in her contract? <laughs> well, that's with- what
0: I'm wondering, too. Maybe that's what it was, was the agent was like, hey, if my if my client's going to be in your film, she needs to look good. Uh,
1: Everyone knows that the rules for winning an Oscar... If you're a guy, then you have to go retard, and if you're a woman, right. then you have to go ugly. That's, that's it. Right. That's it. If you want to win an Oscar, you have to be willing to look ugly. Yes. So, um... You know, there are times for being pretty, but when you're dying and sick and, you know, you're
2: <laughs> you're, oh.
1: you're a burden on your husband or you feel like, even though she really wasn't, but, you know, it wasn't her fault, but you feel like you're, you're a burden on your husband. Those are the times when you don't need to look pretty anymore, because if you want to pull at my heartstrings, I got to fucking believe it. Yes. You know,
0: yeah, so. you know, that's a good point, too. I didn't even think of that, and, and that's another area, too, maybe where that nonlinear storytelling that I talked about is maybe you have flashbacks to when they first get married and she has that sort of youthful, healthy, uh, you know, vitality and um, and then, you know, other flashbacks to when she's ill and then we can see that, you know. Um, we can see the two because you know the reality is is that they're bringing us into the process when she's supposed to be cured, which is another interesting point, right? Um, and maybe that's what Uva Boll is trying to do too. Um, you know, was that he was trying to say, um, you know, hey, she's cured, right? She should be. You know, it's just going to take this little bit to make her healthy. And, and her
1: hair sure did grow back really freaking fast. It
0: did. Yes, it was. Very- no, I mean
1: it was long. It wasn't like, hey, All I right. just went through a bunch of treatments. And my hair is starting to grow back, growing back. It looked, the picture that he was toting around with him of her, where she was all leaning up against the tree and smiley and looking all pretty. So it looked like it was maybe earlier on, like before she got sick. She looked exactly like that throughout the entire film. (laughs) I'm like, I need to feel that you're struggling. I just don't feel it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, And I
1: felt like he was struggling. I have to say, this guy, and I'm afraid I don't know his name Dominic um, Purcell he played oh, that's right. uh, that's yes he, right. he played uh,
0: Dracula in hey, yeah. Blade 3 um, <laughs>
1: um he i loved his emoting like i think mm-hmm. that you know i really felt for him when you know he would just look all beaten down and and just torn up and i felt like he was a really good guy and i felt like he really loved his wife and I, and and the way that he kept trying to protect her from everything that was going on and he didn't want to tell her he didn't want her to worry because he knew that stress was bad for her i loved him yeah. i i just, ah i wanted to hug him yeah you know And Edward Furlong, how about that? (laughs) I was so impressed with him. I'm like, wow, you don't look like they dragged you out of the gutter to make this movie. (laughs) And he played a really sweet character. He did. So that was nice. And Keith David didn't have a lot to do. I'm not sure why he was there. All he did was sit in a cafe.
0: Yeah. He he had a few lines with his his great voice that we love.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love me some Keith David. I do. I mean, I don't love him any more than... than when he's being killed by some alien in some movie, which seems to happen a lot to him. Um, But but whether it's They Live or Puppet Master or, you know, maybe The Thing. Right. (laughs) um, I I love that guy, but I just don't feel like it was necessary. He didn't really do anything. He just was there to be there, you know. I also love TV's Eric Roberts, and he was on screen for maybe a total of seven minutes.
0: Yeah. That that's how that guy manages to have two hundred plus uh, in production credits. <laughs> you know, it's like, I guess that's true. Yeah, I mean, they're like,
1: well, it's Wednesday. I got a few minutes. I'll pop by and I'll be in your movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, this is it's, this is classic Uva uh, Bull, and that's what what got us into the film. Of course, it's a uh, the, the 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 quality of actor is a little bit lower um, because you know when he ha- had the luxury of the German tax credit, he was able to get. Uh, Burt Reynolds and Jason Statham and the like and now he's um, you know Michael Perret uh, um, you know Lachlan Monroe Mother May I Sleep with Danger um, mm. you know uh, Keith David unfortunately for five minutes but it seems like that's kind of what he's doing maybe he's getting these names Clint in Howard
1: the, who looks like Clint he Howard. finally grew into his head yes he did I actually remarked to him. I was like, his head doesn't look as big as it used to. <laughs> Brian's like, maybe he finally grew into it. You know, oh. I just feel like Clint Howard's head was always enormous. Yes. And just sort of wobbly on top of his body. He looked like the bobblehead version of his brother. <laughs>
0: right. yes. Um Yes. And tell me you didn't want to see him selling those guns out of an ice cream truck. <laughs> oh, I was so man, disappointed. I love ice cream, man. A, oh, oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Peanut Buster Brickle or Peanut Butter Brickle or whatever. Yes. Oh. <laughs> He's done a few films with Uva Bowl. There's a few mainstays in this, Uva Bowl mainstays. You've got uh, him, uh, Michael Perret seems to be one, Lachlan Monroe. Uh, Dominic Purcell actually did another one that I reviewed, uh, In the Name of the King 3, which uh, In the Name of the King 2 had Lachlan Monroe. So it seems like a few of these guys. I don't know about um, about uh, John Hurd, um, but...
1: Yeah, and I've always liked John Hurd, but yeah. boy, he play an asshole. Yes, yes.
0: Oh, and you know, it's funny... I was just, you know, uh, Jen has has turned me on to the Sopranos. I was, you know, I guess I'm what, 15 years behind the curve on that one. But uh, she had turned me on to that. And one of the things, um, you know, because John Heard made me think of the Sopranos because he's he was
1: seen one episode, not even one. Don't feel bad.
0: No, yeah, he was. I I had only seen one up until I was watching it with Jen. But uh, one of the things about that show that I think this show also tried to hit on is that show seems to like take all of the drips and goofballs and people that really annoy us in our society, you know, Um, and they just kind of throw them in the path of these um, North Jersey mobsters and we get to see them interact and we kind of get to see them almost in a way dealt with by, and and it almost like kind of allows us to kind of get it out of our system, (laughs) you know, the people that, you know, the person behind the counter who's a total drip and a pain in the ass or whoever. Um, And I think this film was supposed to give us that same sense of, um, of, of of catharsis, right? That we were supposed to see, um, you know, the the Wall Street guys get their comeuppance. We were supposed to see the Stark mm-hmm. broker, the bank guy, all of these people who who all had a part in this downfall and all had a part in ruining this man's life. We were supposed to see them get their comeuppance and feel that catharsis. And um, and I I, I felt like I got that part of it. Um, you know, that one I did like. I mean, I thought that the John the way he dealt with John Hurd was good. The way he dealt with Lachlan Monroe. I felt like all of that worked That was a me.
1: sweet headshot.
0: Wasn't it? I mean, you know, that that's what I came for, and I guess that's why I was frustrated that it took so long to get there. Um, I would have liked to have seen it sprinkled throughout, you know?
1: I know. I totally get that, and, and I think it did take a long time getting there. It definitely touched its legs and took its time. But I don't – I was never bored, and I was never, you know, like, oh, my God, come on. Um, so I guess – okay with that and i really enjoyed his character i and yeah. I, I felt bad for him so i mean as much bitching as i've done about the, <laughs> the wife character i felt bad too. um i don't think it's the actress's fault that that whole bit right. lay squarely on the shoulders of the director and, and his too i mean if maybe she didn't want to be sick looking and 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 but that again that's his fault for going okay um or maybe that was his play because like you said he's like Oh, you know, she has to look pretty because the men have to believe he wants to keep her. Right. know, which is just dumb. Um, but you know, whatever. Um.
0: Well, you know, too. Maybe Uva Bull has a. You know, he. Yeah, you know, I don't know with you know what what his mindset was with that one, but it it is very po I mean, because he went through all this trouble to spend an hour to really make you know to really you know really. Tack on the verisimilitude there and make us feel like this is real, you know, uh, economic crisis. You know, I mean, he the only thing he didn't do, which I I thank the Lord he didn't do that, was he did not get into the minutia of, you know, collateralized debt obligations or you know residential mortgage backed securities or anything like that or Fannie you know any of that stuff. He kind of had some you know the occasional thing here and there and and there was a little bit about dumping stocks at the beginning, but he really didn't get too deep into that, which I, I thank him for, but I felt like beyond that, he was like he was trying, he felt like everybody had to be included, right? You had to have the bank, the, the brokers, the lawyer, the DA that won't prosecute, the insurance company.
1: Everyone is accountable. Yeah,
0: everybody has a place to play, you know, the, the inflated cost of medical care in the country. Everybody had a piece in this, and um, and I understand that. And I also understand that somebody in his position, Uwe Boll's position, would think that one well, well, there's two things I guess from a German standpoint that would make the American situation really egregious. Uh, the first is our, their healthcare system is better than ours in terms of you know insurance and, and costs. Um, but two, they also have a much better system as far as laying off and, and, and um, laying off workers and uh, you know offering um, unemployment insurance and, and help to people that are out of work so in that sense they they have a better system for that so i think he really wanted to you know look at this system in the united states this kind of every man for themselves system and play it up and i i got that part i understood that but the thing for uva ball that he doesn't understand maybe from us americans is we all know this we live this world on a daily basis um, and so that, I think that's, for me, it was like, okay, yes, Uva, yes, I'm, I'm here. I, I'm, I'm from America. You don't need to tell me what it's like here. I was like, you know, let's get into some killing. I, I want to see you waste Lachlan Monroe for me, you know. It's, mother, may I sleep with danger. Let's do it, you know. Um, and so so it, it that was why I kind of had a problem with it. But overall, I think you're right. I mean, I think the way that they built Dominic Purcell's character was good. Um, the only thing he did that, that I didn't like was he um, – he, the the secretary of the assistant DA uh, tried to, like, kind of put her hand on him to, like, get him to stay back, and he slapped her hand away and called her a fucking bitch. I thought that was a little bit r- rough for me to see that, um, because he's a very big man, um, and so I was kind of having trouble rooting for him there, but yeah. otherwise. <laughs> what, but, you know, once he. You got
1: your fucking hands off of him. Well,
0: you're right, you're right. But what, you know, I what.
1: Mean, okay, I mean, get your fucking hands off of <laughs> him. Right? Yes. Uh,. Um, which I'm like, dude. If, if dude, that big dude is upset, I'm not putting my hands on him. That's, well, you know, number I agree. One. So um, my, <laughs> yes.
0: but but you know, otherwise, I think you're right about that. That he was a character that we could root for. I just felt like I, you know, I don't know. It was like uh, it was like you know, I root for my Patriots in the Super Bowl, but I don't watch uh, four hours of pregame. Well. Actually, Jen will tell you otherwise that I actually do when I'm in New England, watch (laughs) the four hours of pregame. So maybe that's a bad analogy. (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: Well, I do like that uh, the, the way he had, in some of the scenes, he had, like, news coverage running in the background. So you're still watching what's going on, but you can kind of hear them talking about it here and there. So he's kind of slipping stuff in without forcing us to watch... You know the rolling news clips of of, of everything. I, I think that I mean I think you're right in that he just was kind of like okay, in case you weren't aware, in case you weren't here, this is what was going on. Um, but I guess he just wanted to make sure that people understood where he was coming from because there's always the there always the people who don't pay attention to what's going on uh, around them, and if you weren't directly affected by it, then maybe you don't know exactly what was. I mean, there are a lot of people that who, who are, like, ostriches. who right. are like, if you don't smack them over the head with something, they have no idea um, what's happening. And, uh, like, 9-11, what? Huh? What? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I guess he just wanted to be, like, for certain that everyone got it. But I do feel like, yeah, I mean, I, there were times and I'm like, yes, I, I get it. Right. I, do, I do understand. I do. When is the assault?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, exactly. That's what (laughs) I
1: came for. I guess the title is assault. Yes. So I'm expecting like an assault on precinct 13. Yes. But like Wall Street style, you know. Yes. Here we go, and you know, it wasn't as much. Here we go, as well. You know, we're going to come along. Come along when we're ready. Um. So it did take a while, Uh, and I I totally get that. We, you know, Brian made a comment about that while we were watching it. You know. Then in the end, um, we ended up liking it anyway, so I guess I guess he nailed it. I'm just impressed that it looked like a real movie as <laughs> yes. so, I mean that was you know step one i I think he did have a really decent cast um they're sort of like second tier uh, right. cast members, but you know okay they they were all people that I like um and I l <laughs> you knew things were getting serious when he was doing that. Travis Bickle uh, (laughs) Travis Bickle slash Kiefer Sutherland wall of crazy Mm -hmm. um, which is what whenever I see and Brian pointed out the the crazy wall but whenever I see anyone doing up a wall of crazy I always think about Kiefer Sutherland in um, in The Vanishing Mm. you know where he like completely gave up his whole life moved into a motel and then you know when he was looking for sandra bullock and he had just shit all over the walls forever and that's the that's the scene that i always think about so when he started putting up his wall of crazy then um like oh here we go
0: yes now but, we're going yes yeah that's what we need we need the moment we're rolling in with the credits and we're hearing in the background all the stuff and 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 i mean uva ball but uh, god bless him he he decided that he needed he he could not convince us enough that we were in New York City and not Canada um so oh,
1: that's I, so funny because Brian said well hey at least it's New York too." I mean it's actually New York you know right. not, and, like Jason takes Vancouver right um <laughs> with I mean and you know how many movies have you seen where they attempt to pass and that always blows my mind like if you want to pass off Vancouver as Topeka Kansas <laughs> there are about 17 people who are going to understand that you fucked that up you mm-hmm. know uh, most people aren't gonna notice probably, but if you are seriously trying to pass off somewhere else as New York, we're gonna notice, <laughs> and we always do. So I do like that it was
0: well, actually New York. Well, I don't know how much it was actually New York because I think he did a lot of establishing shots. But it th- at the end when I went through the credits, um, it oh did he the Canadian it? film and uh uh, uh the, yeah,
1: yeah I, I, it, that doesn't surprise me that there were some. But I mean what it, it you know, we did get some doc scenes. Yes. You know, with New York in the background, with actual actors in them, which, you know, I thought was I thought was pretty good. You know. I mean he spent enough time there for me to believe it. You know, when you see him walking down um like walking down Wall Street. Uh it was enough there for me to be happy with it, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it makes sense that he was doing a lot a lot of Canadian shots.
0: Oh, yeah, it says it was it was Vancouver, but exteriors only were New York City. Yeah.
1: Okay, so, I mean, well, I'm not going to fault the guy for doing some interior shots, you know, somewhere else, because that right. doesn't really matter. But, you know, so, good for him that he didn't try to, I mean, what I, what I was talking about with Jason Takes Vancouver is when, like, in yes. Jason <laughs> Takes Manhattan, they never once go to Manhattan. Right. It's like, it's... It, you're walking down these streets that they have created like alleyways and they've actually spray painted some—they're themselves some really bad graffiti on the walls and I mean it just looks so it's so transparent and so not even trying but um, so at least he had the sense to do some establishing shots and some exterior shots and that's good
0: but he was like i am going to establish the hell out of this film oh well yeah, I, yes I mean, i'm going time to around, there was skyline <laughs> yes. in your face um it was but
1: they were nice shots mm-hmm. though i, was, I agree I, I caught myself thinking look at him being a real filmmaker framing
0: yes. shots and everything yes.
1: i'm so proud of him you know this is a long way from Hi- house of the dead
0: oh my you know and that's the thing i think with uva Bull, um you know, I mean, like I, re- I did some work on this. I was reading up a little bit on this film, and um, he he actually did try to interview um, people who were affected by the financial crisis and what happened in it. Um, and so I think you know, I think he really wanted to tell the story of the average person um, and how they were, you know, crushed by this. And 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 I think you know, I mean, maybe he was trying to maybe lump in Bernie Madoff with it. I don't know how he was really trying to put it all together but I think there was an earnest attempt to make something here um, and so I can give I, I, I can go there with you I definitely agree with you there that um, you know it, it, this is not the Uva Bowl who's just like German tax credit throw all the, the B-listers I can at the film and throw it in the theater and, and, and see what it does you know um, he, he definitely had an earnest attempt here to make something to tell a story that um, he felt wasn't being told um, and, and I, I could definitely appreciate that
1: uh, yeah and I feel it was I felt it was earnest too and I really did uh, appreciate that it was nice it was kind of refreshing um, Coming from the trenches of dealing with all of the early <laughs> bull crap like back in the days when he was threatening to get into a boxing ring with a <laughs> with uh, with critics I'm like oh my god! I mean he was oh my lord it was so <laughs> awful and it turns out that this film has actually been in Brian's queue for quite a while but he was just he was, really wasn't sure if he wanted to pull the trigger on it and so we kind of made him when, when, when um, we decided to watch it and then he's like well I've heard good things about it it's just you know Bull's name's attached and yeah. kind of made me nervous and, <laughs> and I'm like I totally get that yeah. I I do I understand that but now after watching this I won't be so nervous anymore if I see his name pop up in the in the credits, you know, because he's kind of shown me that he does know how to do something pretty decent.
0: Uh. Yeah, well, that was one reason why I wanted to do this film because um, you know, wh- while you were moving to Michigan, um, I had a solo episode where I looked at um, uh, uh in the name of the King three, which also had Dominic Purcell, and I mean that one was kind of goofy in a lot of places. It had um. You know, they were out in the woods in a medieval forest. Um, Dominic Purcell plays an assassin who gets zapped back to the medieval period to fight some battle, to save some people. Um, And here they are in this medieval forest, you can see tire tracks everywhere. Um, And so it it had that feel to it. And I was kind of like, you know, that one I was feeling like, man, I don't know what to do with that movie. And I thought maybe, too, like he was kind of shooting a bunch at a time because it, it also had Dominic Purcell... Um, but So I was really interested to do this film to kind of get your take on Uwe Boll and what your thoughts were on him.
1: Yeah, well, the, that used to be my thoughts on him yes. <laughs> is that I see Uwe Boll, I run the other direction. Um, but maybe not so much anymore, you know? I mean, I was burned by him early on several times, and then his attitude yeah. whenever he was presented. I actually had an interview with him several years ago and um it was a it was a written interview i didn't actually talk to him um but his just his attitude when he was presented like when you came straight for him and you're like you know what do you have to say uh, about this movie and then he's just like i i don't know he just how dare you criticize my work mm-hmm. you know attitude about him and then you know with his whole threatening to punch people out <laughs> <laughs> i was like goddamn um i just didn't really have any respect for him yeah because I didn't feel like he gave a damn. I didn't feel like he was trying. Like he was like he was serious. It just you know to me it was clear that he didn't give shit. And I'm like you know there are people out there who really really love filmmaking, and who would you know really love the opportunity to be able to do it. And you're basically just throwing that in their face when you make something that you know was bad. And I was angry. But, you know, um, I feel like with this film, I'm seeing he has, you know, maybe had a change of heart, or he's grown, or I don't know, something, something's changed. It's different, and I was pleasantly surprised by that.
0: Yeah, you know, I agree, too. I mean, I think, I mean, he he made a complete mockery of that tax credit in Germany, which was meant to really foster the film industry there and and get, you know, um, Mm -hmm. more, you know, people that, that were had independent projects that really could use the money um he was instead making a and they ended up having to change the the, the tax uh the, the tax credit and and fix it somehow because of him um but it seems like maybe because of that you know because um and and you know maybe in part because of that and i guess he, he did generate some kind of a name uh, enough that i guess he was able to to uh, lockdown funding for po- projects he wanted to do because um, he's done a few other ones that are more of a serious nature he also did um, a, a, a film called dafur uh, dafur that um, takes place there in, in Sudan um, you know that did he he talked about the crisis there which I've heard is a very very uh, graphic film and it can be a very tough watch which I, I haven't seen it yet but um, but I mean he also is still doing these low budget things which um you know while they're not necessarily uh, Tara Reid as an anthropologist, um, you know they're they're close enough, you know.
1: <laughs> Tara Reid, wow. Th- uh, it- when you t- really need a drunk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Alone in the Dark, where she was actually, you know, doing press junkets. For, I mean, Uva Ball had films that people made like the major you know um, talk show circuit and did press junkets for and there she was on I think Conan O'Brien or something talking about how she was playing an anthropologist and is that the film Alone in the Dark is that the movie
1: uh, that was the one that he did with her right but, and as far as I know that's the only one they've done
0: together that's right yeah and so she she's playing an anthropologist in that film and she's you know with a straight you know like it was kind of a joke but also kind of a straight face like oh of course I would play an anthropologist I can do that I'm Tara Reid um, mm-hmm. And, and you, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see that, like, while the, the, the scope of his films have changed, you know, now these films are direct-to-video. They are, you know, Redbox and Netflix instant specials, as opposed to being films that someone like a Tara Reid goes on Conan O'Brien to do uh, press for. Um, so, you know, they've changed, but, it, like, the quality seems to have gotten better as opposed to have gotten worse.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And you know, I don't know. Does he have anything recent that I mean, since this? When was this?
0: Well so this was this was twenty thirteen, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Um I did one, um I did that in the name of the King Two film. Um
1: Oh, that was after this.
0: Huh? That was I believe it was. Let's let's take a look. I've got IMDB pulled up here. Let's take a look. Here he's uh well, he was born in sixty five, he's going to be fifty on June twenty second, a big five O for him. Um so that that's exciting. Let's see. Wow, here.
1: and it only took him this long to make a good movie. How about that?
0: So his his most recent film is one called Rampage Capital Punishment, which I believe also has Dominic Purcell. Uh, it's a sequel to the Rampage movie he did um, about five or six years ago. Uh, man takes over a TV station and holds a number of hostages as political platform to awaken humanity instead of money. Well,
1: he's got issues.
0: Yes. You yep.
1: this I mean, he keeps. He keeps doing all these assault and rampage films and um you know <laughs> social awareness but i I think really he probably has some issue like he has some anger issues that this is the only way that he knows to work them out mm- mm-hmm. you know so we probably need to let him keep doing it otherwise he's gonna like do a Whitman and climb a clock
0: yes no, I will say too he did not um. That, that one does not have Dominic Purcell. I know there was a third one. Oh, Suddenly is one he did with Ray Liotta that came out just after this in 2013. Uh, Ray Liotta and Dominic Purcell. Um,
1: oh, man. Ray Liotta from Goodfellas to Uwe Bold. So
0: mm. remake of a 1950s film that starred uh, Frank Sinatra. But yes, Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta, yes. He's he's run the gamut, right? From uh, He does a lot of direct-to-video stuff now.
1: Yeah, um, he does. And I don't know. I was always a big fan of his. And... So, I'm not sure exactly what happened that he stopped showing up in the box office. And I don't know what I don't know what the turning point was there. Yeah, but there was a time there when he was you know he was there a lot. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. We used to my friends and I because you know, we loved good fellas in high school. Uh, we used to sing his name to the tune of My Sharona, We'd be like Ray Liotta. And so so whenever I hear his name now, I just think of that song. I know. Yeah, he's doing uh, he's doing a uh I mean, he's he's doing tequila commercials, I believe now, where he's um telling us how manly we need to be or he's like a man he's one of those man police ones. You know the the if Oh you, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you see those commercials, the man police telling men how they should be men, you know, you don't and uh so he, What he, are you
1: doing, he, doing buying tequila? That's all the money we had. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Uh,
0: Oh yeah, Jen and I watched that recently. We watched it a little while ago. Goodfellas. So. I
1: need to watch that again. It's been a while. That's a movie that I love. The first, second half's okay. Like I, I just, I really feel like the first half is so much stronger, and, um, and then I still enjoy the whole thing. But it's just, I really, I really, really, really like the first
0: part. Yeah, he. You know,
1: middle jacket. For me, is the
0: same way. Yeah, you, you're big. You're bigger on the o- opening part, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, you know, Goodfellas. It, 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 You know, I think part of it too um, is it does it because you know he's trying to really build that sort of like that Greek hero. You know, he he sees that really that tragedy in it, and I think he he really builds the height. And then I think I I, I almost kind of feel like um himself. You know, Scorsese falls in love with the character that he created, which I, I think, even though he knew it was based on a real person in Henry Hill, I think in his mind he fell in love with this guy, and I think he, 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 he didn't want to give him the fall as much as he did. Um, and, and actually, um, we, um, Jen and I watched this documentary on uh, this basketball team, uh, the, the, the Boston College Eagles basketball team, which uh, in the late 70s, uh, Henry Hill was a part of a, a group that was trying to shave points um, on the basketball games. Yeah, and so he was interviewed for it And they talked about it And um, they actually interviewed the detect um, The uh, the prosecutor who was offering them immunity At the time Because remember that was a real prosecutor That was uh, in that scene The one who actually did the um Who uh, offered immunity And so they were interviewing him about Henry Hill And I mean, you know, the way he described him He was not anything like the Ray Liotta character That was created in the film I mean, he's just, you know, talking about how Oh, you know, he's, you know Scorsese didn't show that, that Hill had uh, girlfriends in two of the other rooms that he also wanted to get protection for. You know, put them in the win- <laughs> with this protection program with him, and and things like that. And um, so you know, I I, I kind of feel like that might be why that second half didn't quite work for you. Because I think Scorsese had trouble taking it the full way that he needed to take it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess he felt like if if he really portrayed him exactly as he was, then you wouldn't get the same effect. Yeah from the film that you needed to get and everything that i'd ever heard about the real henry hill um was pretty much that it was not like a ray liotta character that we've that we've come to know and love and yeah. that he was just you know i don't know he wasn't very well loved <laughs> from what i gather but
0: yeah um yeah because ray, ray liotta plays him so well he's the, he's the guy that we're rooting for really in that film you know it's we don't care about Jimmy Conaway or, or Joe Pesci. We want you know, we want we want Ray Liotta, Henry Hill to, to make it to somehow, you know, make oh, this man. work.
1: He was gonna be a made guy and then Yeah. The, yeah, you took t- him
0: out. You know, you gotta you gotta leave Frank Vincent alone. You got you can't just be messing with <laughs> Frank Vincent like
1: that. Man, Joe Pesci, he always gets a short end of the stick in those movies, doesn't he? I mean like in casino golly. <laughs> yes,
0: oh he got a <laughs> bad
1: the hell out of me yes every time I watch that movie it's just that that you know bleeding breathing pulp Ugh. of meat in the hole you know that used to be Joe pesci it just uh. yes I mean even though like he's not like a real stand-up guy as far as like you know you wouldn't want your daughter dating this guy you know he's <laughs> yes. he's a killer and he's kind of a bastard and he's yeah. you know at the same time watching someone getting beat like that. It's just it's real hardcore. Yeah. And um but that is, like as soon as Joe Pesci pops up and anything like well he's gonna die. I know. <laughs> in a horrible
0: horrible way. <laughs> At least in a scorsese <laughs> film, I I always feel like, you know, he can he can get all of the, the bad parts and all the Scorsese films now because he did my cousin Vinny and he was so like beloved in that one and he he got to live in that one too he wasn't beaten to death or anything yet yeah. yeah. to be funny I I kind of feel like that's it that's your that's your time Pesci now now it's time to go back in the hole or get beaten or whatever be the bad guy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: I do love him and my cousin Vinny though he's such a cutie in that it's
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I I've always felt that, like after you know, because I mean, I guess also in, in Lethal Weapon, he was kind of a funny guy there too.
1: Yeah, but then by the time we got to those Lethal Weapons where he was popping up, uh, I feel like the series as a whole had just lost its steam. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I'm huge fan of the first one, and then it just sort of has a steady decline for me after that. But yeah, I like the second one too. But um, you know, eh. Yeah, but I've Sack of Suds is actually—I know where that is. It's not—it's in Georgia. Um, my cousin oh. Vinny was filmed in Georgia, and uh, uh, I know it was, takes place in Alabama, but you know, it was filmed in Georgia. And the Sack of Suds is not too far from where I grew up. Not bad. But, yeah.
0: Oh, that's not, not a bad deal. T- so, so yeah, you get to see this kind of invasion <laughs> of New Yorkers.
1: Yeah, well. <laughs> Yeah, that that's called Atlanta. Yeah, the and, culture exactly. <laughs> yes, it's like when you knew so some, when somebody was an asshole. Like everybody wants to bla- like complain about the traffic in Atlanta. Yeah, but really, the asshole drivers. You find out that most of them are the transplants. Yes, so it's like yeah, they didn't grow up here. They're in too much of a hurry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not how we do it. Yeah. I can
0: <laughs> I I can only imagine because I have I have lived well. So I lived an hour from Boston. Boston has some, you know, Massachusetts drivers are some of the worst in the country. Um, But I think pretty much starting from Boston all the way down to here and maybe as far as as DC. But I know from here where I am here in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, they might be the worst drivers I, I have ever seen. These, you know, the people that drive here are. So yeah, you've probably got a lot of people that are just like, I can't live in Delaware County anymore so I'm going to live in Georgia where it's nicer. Um And then I'm going to drive horribly and make everybody everybody down there's life miserable.
1: Oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I've discovered since I moved up here, there are some really inconsiderate drivers mm-hmm. up here. Now, you take people out of their cars up here, and they're the nicest people ever. This is a really wonderful town. Everyone is super nice. I love the area. But you put them behind a wheel, and... don't know what happens to them it's just like i have to get there first you know and it's they will practically kill themselves to get in front of you at any cost and um so i'm constantly just bitching all the time i'm just like (laughs) (laughs) but um other than that though super nice place it's just man but i guess it is the motor city
0: yeah Exactly. Hey, there you go. That's a good point. It's Detroit. You know, one thing one thing about this movie that brings up, you know, one thing about Detroit that I always think about is like they've been trying to build the film community, you know, film industry there, um, kind of out of the shell of the the factories and everything that the abandoned buildings in the downtown area. Um, and it is kind of too bad that we can't get more. You know, that should be a big, you know, there should be a lot of films going on there. You should you should be able to Go down to Detroit anytime and see a movie being shot down there. Maybe you well, do, it's but it's
1: getting it's getting better. You know, the new um, the Superman Batman movie is mm. filming in Detroit here because it can because Detroit can simultaneously look like Gotham and uh, what's the other one? Um, Metropolis. Metropolis. Because it has really nice areas for Metropolis, like really pretty. <laughs> Areas and then like really run down areas that could be Gotham, which I think is really interesting, and and an amazing way to utilize, you know, all the aspects of one city. Mm-hmm. Also, there's um, the movie it follows that has been sweeping uh, the the nation lately. It started out on four screens just two weeks ago, in two in New York and two in L. A. It grossed 160 thousand dollars in one weekend. Wow, on four screens, and. Because of that, it was supposed to be released on VOD, but they said, no, we're pushing back the VOD date, and we're pumping it out into theaters." So last weekend, this past weekend, Brian and I went to see it here locally, and then we find out that just yesterday, or the day before, it's being announced that it' be pushed into 1,200 theaters this coming weekend. So the VOD rele- uh, the VOD release date keeps getting pushed back because it is doing so well in the theaters that they just want to keep it going. I mean, like, remember several years ago when Paranormal Activity did that? It just sort of took off, and then all of a sudden it's all the mainstream, and everybody's going to see it, horror fan or not, and it was just killing it. Well, this movie is... is I don't think it's happening as quickly as it did, but it's, it's really working, and this was a movie that was filmed in Detroit. Mm. And uh, the filmmaker's actually from Detroit, and so he you know made a a film around the areas where he grew up but it was really cool to go and see this movie that was that was filmed here and i'm like oh that's cool but there are there are a lot of it's happening you know they're they're trying and i think that's a great idea you know i really do i think that uh it's you know use it you Mm -hmm. know Make it happen. Uh, there are a couple of, back in, in Atlanta, there are a couple. Now, of course, there's been a lot of filming going on in Georgia for a very long time, for years and years and decades, people have been filming in Georgia. Um, and a lot is filmed in Georgia and that poses for other places, and people don't even know it. But um, now there, I think there are like two new studios that are going to be open. One's opening in a what used to be a mall, but the mall closed down. And so now they're building a studio where the mall used to be. So that's a good utilization of space, I think. Um, And so they're going to be trying to beef up even more the film industry coming out of Georgia. So, you know, good on them. I'd like to see that happening, and I think that could be a really
0: lucrative thing for detroit if they can keep it going well you, cause you think about it when a movie comes into town when a movie's being made i mean it really boosts the local economy while the film is is being done you know you've got catering that needs to happen you need cars you need props you know places wagons. to stay right exactly yeah you, you right you need everything and so you can you know they've they've talked I mean, i know i know they've talked about this some but um you know it would be nice to kinda of get people like you know, I, I know one of the ones that I, I always kind of talk about on my, my blog is that, you know, Steven Seagal's from Detroit, but he likes to make his movies in in Louisiana because I guess he's turned himself into a person from New Orleans. Um, and I've always been like, oh, man, you know, why don't you do your movies in Detroit? But I, I have noticed, like, some of the DTV films are being done either in Detroit or Grand Rapids. But um, it just seems like such a great thing to, you know, a great way to kind of really revitalize those, you know. I mean, it, it maybe it's a short-term thing, right, because, you know, a movie's only in there for so long, and, and it bumps things up. But on the other hand, it might be enough, you know, if, if enough films keep coming in there and it keeps happening, um to really, really rejuvenate that economy, and you know, why why have to go to Canada? Why not go right. to Detroit? And you know,
1: well, did, I mean, right now, Michigan offers a tax credit. Yeah. Um, Georgia offers a tax credit, which is why a lot of people film there. Um, there's a I want th- to either Mississippi or Louisiana, Louisiana does as well as Louisiana. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, but Michigan does too. So it's like, come on, come. I mean, you know, you've got there are a lot of people who are from Michigan who, yeah. uh, who are in the business now. And I'm like, bring it back here, bring it back home. Cause it really, and it affects in ways that you don't even think about. Like um, one time when I was um, in Athens shopping at Walmart, there's this person ahead of me buying a whole bunch of stuff in this cart. I mean like shit tons of stuff in this cart. And sh- talking to the cashier in front of me and she was talking about how she was the production assistant for the Footloose remake that was being made in Georgia and she had to go and pick up a bunch of stuff for the, I mean, just for the set design like she had candles and you know all just random household stuff but she was buying stuff for the set design for this movie that was being made. And I'm like, and immediately I thought, well that is an impact that I never even considered. You know, you think about the catering. You think about, you know, the hotels and things like that. But there are impacts out there that you don't even think about. And that's one of them. You know, I never realized, oh, yeah, they have to get little stuff from somewhere. They're not going to bring that stuff from California, you know, like load up a bunch of tea lights and and picture frames. Right. (laughs) So they're going to get them from somewhere. And I'm like, that is, wow. All right. And And it just made me realize that, you know, how much more uh, of an impact something like that can have. And, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's temporary. But then if you can keep it going, you know, why not?
0: Well, and if it's big like Superman versus Batman, I mean that. I mean the the size of a production like that. Then you start getting more of those comic book blockbuster things being shot there. I mean that's that's a a really big, you know, I mean I don't know, maybe make a Spider-Man movie there too. You can do another, you know.
1: Um, I mean, once it catches on, I I think that, I mean, once people see that, wow, you can use Detroit for, um, because I've seen, I've seen some really beautiful sides of Detroit, you know, like, and I watch the news a lot. And, (laughs) and so like, I've seen, you know, if you're downtown, it's really, really pretty. Hmm. And then there are parts that are really, really uh, downtrodden, (laughs) you know, which is a sad thing. But the thing is that it's much like New York and LA. You know, it has its big glossy side and it has its lower side and you can utilize all of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, and, and you know, that's the, I I've heard them talk about how this um um the abandoned buildings are good because they can, you know, clean them up and, and mm-hmm. post by, pe- you know, putting what they need to put on them, you know, making them futuristic or making, you know, whatever they need to do. Um so even the abandoned buildings, the abandoned areas, like they can turn them into what they want much easier than they can if there are you know, signs, or if it's a it's a bustling area. But like you said, you know, with the beautiful areas, like you said, you can make metropolis out of that. And um, you know, I think you could, you know, it's so many um, of those common, you know, the big blockbuster things. I mean, why not? Why not shoot them there? I mean, you know, or even the next Liam Neeson revenge flick. You know, that Detroit would be perfect for that too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really it really is depressing to me how uh, this used to be such an amazing city. Yeah and it was a really bustling beautiful place and um, you know it was kind of the heart in a lot of ways I mean our auto industry was here and just think about the impact that that has had yeah. everywhere and and it's almost like it's forgotten Yeah, you know it, it's pretty sad but I like it here so I hope that I hope that something good uh, continues to happen with that and Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about all of that. When well, we well,
0: finished, well we, you know what yeah, it was? We're talking about Uwe Boll. No, yeah. what happened was, was we talked about Uva Bull trying to try um doing his his darndest to to pass oh. Vancouver off as New York. Right. right and right. that's when we said, "Hey, go to Detroit. Get out of Vancouver." Not that Vancouver is not a great place. I mean, we loved Vancouver when the Bruins beat Vancouver in the <laughs> Stanley Cup in 2011. No, I'm just kidding. But no, but seriously, I mean, you know, Vancouver is a nice place, but yeah, you know. Uva, Uva, start making. You know, and I guess you're right. He doesn't like to be told what to do. So maybe we should leave him alone and let him Canada find
1: providing, it. Providing, providing backdrops for independent filmmakers <laughs> yes. for decades. I know. <laughs> we love them for that.
0: Montreal, <laughs> Montreal, Toronto, or Vancouver. It's your choice. Who would you like to be New York today? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. Well, so, so I guess we're kind of split on this one. I'm more of a no, and you're more of a a yes. But I think we're kind of somewhere. The, maybe maybe the reality falls somewhere in the middle, but I think it's sort of one of those things where um either way you've got to wait a little bit for the action, so it's just a matter of how how you feel uh going into it but I think you're right, I think the story is built well here, so um you know for for me I'm giving it a pass but but what you're saying maybe it's a a go
1: yeah i mean if you're the kind of if you're the kind of person who needs action like from the very beginning like if you want to start your movie jumping out of a plane <laughs> um, th- th- which is already in the middle of a dog fight you know, yes. <laughs> then, then this is not for you um, but I think if you don't mind sitting with the characters for a while and, and uh, watching what's going on with this guy's life and then watching that build I think the payoff is kind of worth it in the end because uh, when the assault actually happens I, I thought that was pretty pretty well done. I mean, the effects were good. Um, like I said, that was a really sweet headshot on Lachlan Monroe yeah, that we It got. was.
0: It was. Mother, may I sleep with danger. That's. that's <laughs> <a>
1: <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I, I think that it's worth it when you get there. But if you don't have, uh, you know, time nor energy to spare for watching the guy's life fall apart, then you may want to skip it.
0: Yeah. Well, that sounds good. Now, why don't we do we'll do our, you know, weekly round of what we've been up to I, i'll do mine first because it's very quick that's a whole lot of nada um i i, I think at this point it's going to be a little while before i get time again to uh, to do the blog post. Just between our uh, work and next week is my birthday so um Jen and i are going to go away for the early part of of that week and then actually we're going to have a podcast on my birthday wednesday the first is my birthday so
2: Aww.
0: yeah so we'll, we'll be doing a podcast that night which i think will be fun um Cause I'm really doing the, the more of the celebration on Monday and Tuesday anyway, so we'll be sub- you know celebrating with Jen Monday, Tuesday, and then you know we'll do a, a little podcast celebration I guess <laughs> for an hour next week. But um, but yeah, so it, it looks like the blog it's going to be on, on the fence for a little bit, but um, hopefully we'll get it back up soon. So um, for right now, you know, unfortunately, you know, I mean, hey, this is this is a good deal though do, doing our podcasts. Um, the other thing too is my direct-to-video connoisseur Tumblr that I have. It's a DTVC. Uh, dot .tumblr.com um, I haven't been updating that one as much as I used to either, and uh, usually that one, you don't really have to follow that one by going to Tumblr you can follow it on Twitter uh, through, through the DTVC Twitter or uh, DTV Connoisseur Twitter, because it's linked to the two, but I haven't even been updating that as much, which means I haven't been updating Twitter as much so a lot of those things have fallen behind a bit um, but at least we still have the podcast going, so we've, we've got one, you know, I've got one iron in the fire, as it is, and it's a very big one
1: <laughs> well, the, that's it. Keep that one iron, iron burning. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for me, we are celebrating our third anniversary on the Skeleton Crew. Wow. That's three years of that show being around. I haven't been there the whole time, but most of it. i uh, um, been there for most of it, so uh, that's pretty exciting. That show's going to be coming out, I think, April 2nd. Last night, just recorded a new episode of Devour the Podcast where we talked about Jason goes to hell, and I unleashed my enormous amount of nerd rage all <laughs> over the place. I was very angry at that film and its shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, the, um, the episode previous to that has just come out, and that's where we talked about Jason Takes Manhattan. So, uh, and... Antiviral. So go check that out. The other film that we talked about on the upcoming episode is um, Reincarnation, the Japanese film made by the same guy who made The Grudge. And I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, other than that, we've got evil episodes that will be coming out. I think we'll be recording that next week. And I've still got that latest episode of Likin' It floating around. If you haven't checked it out yet, if you want to hear spoiler-free reviews of Wolf, or late phases to films that I recommend, uh, then go check that out. And also, we do a little discussion on Wolf from 1994, mm. um, which is really spoiler-heavy. But you know, the, the film's 20 years old. Get over that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so if you haven't checked that out yet, run don't walk to horrorphilia.com and uh, look up liking it and give it a listen.
0: Yeah, I've got to check that one out as well. I've got it in my my phone it's been downloaded i just need to listen to it i i want to hear that too especially the wolf cop one i'm very interested in that film
1: it's a fun movie it really is i was surprised and I've, I've watched it twice and i think i liked it even more the second
0: time i'll have to check that out well definitely so so and and so jason goes to hell you were not you were not a fan of that
1: one. well um no it's like i didn't used to really hate that i used to give it a pass, because mm-hmm. it had some interesting parts, but the more I watch it, the more it just makes me angry yeah. that so much stuff was introduced that makes no sense <laughs> at all. Yes. Um, like, this weird demon, body-jumping demon backstory bullcrap that like, where the hell did you get that? Um, the Hidden. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean it's, it's like, as I get older, the more I watch it, the angrier I get, and yeah. so that kind of, I just opened my mouth and the whole thing came pouring out last night on the show. And I think the guys were like, what in the hell? Um,
0: sometimes you gotta do that. I know with my blog, sometimes it'll be like a paragraph, a huge paragraph where I just go off and it's almost like a huge run on sentence. And sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need yeah, that.
1: Don't you feel better after you purge the system? You I
0: know. do. And that's, that's, that's the best part of it. Now I will say quickly about my, my KNS uh, erotic fanfic, boldly gone. Um, This week's episode, or issues, um, we're going to look at a story arc uh, called Men in Kilts, where um, Scotty is (laughs) marrying Ensign Smith, Um, they're having a marriage, and the, the, you know, hijinks ensue, again, probably a little more Romulan ale, um, as the fellas go through Glasgow, Scotland. Um, And I'm not going to give away yet whether they are Celtic or Rangers fans when they're there, but, so, yeah. High and ensues. Men in kilts. Uh, I Love
1: high and kilts. That's two of my favorite things.
0: Yes, it should be a three-issue story arc, and um, so yeah, I know everybody's excited about that K and S fanfic. So we're we're hoping <laughs> to roll lots of more for you. <laughs> All right. Well, Jamie, it was another great episode. Um, so they you know, I, I I again, this film, I had a little more trouble with it, but I think overall, you know, I think Uva Ball is, is is starting to make him make his move into a, a more positive direction.
1: Yeah, and I think that may be part of where my like came from. It's just because it was my expectations were so incredibly low.
0: <laughs> so you went in with a low, yes. So yeah. now we just need to move Uva into Detroit to start making <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you here next week. Again, uh, April Fool's Day for my birthday. It's not a joke. I was born on April 1st, so... Uh, I will see you all next week for that show. Uh, Have a great week, everyone. Goodbye.
1: (laughs) Bye-bye.